Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. Here's a quick announcement. Our February heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is now live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. February's theme is The Enduring Power of Love. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our kitchen table conversation today, my guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be talking about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Me and My Dog, 101 Tales of Canine Companionship. Good morning, Amy. Happy Wednesday and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today? I'm great and I'm excited to be talking about our first book of 2024. It's a really special one. Wonderful. It is exciting. I love the book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Me and My Dog, 101 Tales of Canine Companionship. is a wonderful, entertaining, hilarious, and inspiring read. Congratulations on its release. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We love this book. You know, the way I picked the stories for it was that we had so many really excellent dog stories that had never appeared in one of our specific dog books before, you know, these were stories mm-hmm. that appeared in other kinds of books about Christmas or miracles or angels <laughs> or family or love, whatever. And so I thought, you know, the, our fans who love our dog books, maybe they've never gotten to see these really amazing dog stories mm-hmm. that have been in our books about other topics. And so I chose my 101 favorite dog stories from our non-dog books. And we put them together into this new collection called Me and My Dog. <laughs> well, you can't get any more cozier than that. Let me put it this way. So is this really wonderful? Can you tell us about Chicken Soup's wonderful partnership with American Humane? Oh, sure. I think this is probably, I don't know, maybe the seventh book of dog stories that we've used to provide royalties from the book to American Humane, and we actually do the same thing with our books about cats also, and we have Me and My Cat coming out in April. (laughs) So um, what we do is we give, I forget how much it is. I think it's it's 40 cents per book, um, Mm -hmm. which is a good portion of the profits that we make on a book. We give that to American Humane, and the reason we love to support American Humane, which is the oldest animal welfare organization in the country. It was founded in 1877, and they're still going strong. Yeah, so they really look out for the welfare and safety of dogs and cats and other animals, you know, other pets, Mm -hmm. farm animals. And so they help support shelters all over the country. If there are natural disasters like flooding or wildfires, They go into those communities and they provide shelter and food for the pets that are homeless now and aren't with their humans anymore. And then they'll take care of those pets until their humans can be reunited with them. They also look out for animals that are used on movie sets and television show sets. And so they Mm -hmm. make sure those animals are properly. And they also certify zoos. So if you go to a zoo or an aquarium that's certified by American Humane, you know that that facility is using best practices and is taking really excellent care of the animals. So they also um, monitor a lot of agriculture and make sure the animals are being humanely treated in an agricultural context. So it's a really Mm -hmm. wonderful organization, and that's why we like to support them with these books. Wonderful. That's really wonderful. I know everybody wants to know because everybody in the neighborhood always sees someone with the dogs and cats, right? So why do you think dog stories are so popular? I think 
you know, there are some people who are afraid of dogs. Maybe they got bitten by a dog as a child, and mm. there are some people who have an allergy to dogs. But I would say 99% of us, whether we have a dog or not, we just love dogs because there's something so appealing about them, right? I mean, right. They're, they seem so human. You know, they share so many of the same emotions that we share, and they do such a great job of keeping us company and being these faithful companions through thick and thin uh, with this, you know, unconditional love. And they mm-hmm. share in all the ups and downs of our lives, and they make every day a fun adventure and they also are just natural therapists, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, they become our best friends without saying a single word. And sometimes they're really hilarious. And sometimes they're, <laughs> you know, amazingly heroic, always surprisingly human. And so I just think that we all find dogs so compelling. And the stories about them are so varied. You know, it's yeah. not like they all fit into one category. Like, when you read 101 dog stories in our book, it's really 101 different experiences, but mm-hmm. all kind of illuminating and inspirational. And dogs are very inspirational, too, the way they are so quick to forgive and move on. I mean, that's a great lesson for all of us. The way they persevere through hardship, the way you might adopt a dog from a shelter, and who knows what kind of awful experiences that poor dog has been through and you know they'll snap back and just become a loving and fun family member there's so much we can learn from them they're really great role models yeah yeah that's true speaking about that how is adopting a dog from the shelter so rewarding well you know there are a lot of no kill shelters mm-hmm. but then there are also the, the kill shelters But even when you're adopting from a no-kill shelter, by you taking that dog home, you're freeing up a space for another dog to come in to that shelter. And, you know, even though people are more and more oriented towards adopting, and, you know, more and more people know that buying a dog at a pet store might be okay, but also might not be okay because you don't really know how those dogs were created, those right. cute puppies, like how were their mothers treated, that kind of thing. Um, but when you adopt from a shelter, you're you're saving some dog somewhere from probable death. I mean, I remember visiting a kill shelter one day. It was so awful. I mean, they were, you know, trying their best at the shelter, but they just didn't right. have room. And so the dogs that weren't adopted, they had to euthanize them. And I remember seeing large black dogs, which are the ones that are the least likely to be adopted, you know, like bouncing on their mm-hmm. leashes because the human had come to take them out of their cage. And they were so excited. Oh, my gosh, I'm going for a walk. Except they were going for a walk into that bad place. It was horrible. So it's interesting when you adopt a dog from a shelter, it's almost like the dog knows. And people say that their dogs they've adopted from shelter seem particularly grateful to have become mm-hmm. members of, you know, their new family. Yeah. Um, I don't know. People say that they're just different, these these shelter dogs. I mean, all dogs are wonderful. If you buy a dog from a reputable breeder, you know, that's going to be a yeah. wonderful experience also. But you do feel good adopting from a shelter. And um, sometimes you can even get a purebred dog. Like my daughter got a purebred pug from a shelter, but it was because the pug had defects, like mm-hmm. her jaw was misaligned and she was missing half yeah. her teeth and she one of her eyes was blind and smaller than the other eyes. So she was a really messed up pug and oh my God, she was amazing. She was the best dog. And then <laughs> um, my daughter and her husband adopted another dog from a shelter, another purebred, an Australian cattle dog. But then I know so many people who adopted you know, a mixed breed, often of very uncertain origin from a shelter. And they're just the cutest, those dogs. You have no idea what they were (laughs) unless you run a DNA test on them. Right. That's interesting. Well, let's talk about this. Are there attributes that make a person a perfect dog owner? 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When you're adopting from a shelter, you're usually not adopting a puppy. So we don't have to worry about <laughs> those people who get a puppy because they think, oh, it's so cute. And then all of a sudden, when they realize they're looking at 15 years of caring for this dog and, you know, in a year, it's not going to be a cute little puppy anymore. And then they become, you know, just enamored of it. But most people <laughs> don't go into it with that kind of bad attitude. Um, but you have to be willing put work into owning a dog. I mean, it's different than mm-hmm. owning a cat. You know, cats are more self-sufficient. A dog right. needs a place to run around every day, so you either have to have a fenced-in yard that's safe for the dog, or you have to be willing to go for walks with the dog, or both, because dogs love going on walks. And mm-hmm. you have to have patience when you're going on a walk, because the dog is not going to efficiently move from one place to another. The dog wants to stop and explore and smell things. You know, and you need to have the right attitude having a dog, and you have to be in it for the long haul because one day that's going to be a senior dog, and that dog is going to be like having a senior citizen in your house, and the dog will become arthritic and may, you know, get cancer of some kind and may become incontinent, and you have to, you're signing up for the whole thing. You know, and we know people who only adopt senior dogs because they know that the senior dog often languish in the shelters and they make a practice of adopting senior dogs and giving them, you know, a few wonderful years of somebody's home at the end, mm-hmm. which is really admirable of people who go and adopt senior dogs. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of reward also because dogs give you back even more than you give them. Right, right, right. That's wonderful. Well, you mentioned something important there because it connects at the heart-to-heart situation, and it's real. <laughs> oh, yeah. A That's... dog is a, is a real person, basically, you know, with a yeah. real character yeah. and a personality yeah. and a memory and a knowledge of what's right and what's wrong. And you're going to have a relationship that feels like a human relationship when you bring a yeah. dog into your house. Right. And I hate to say this, human can be fake, but not dogs. <laughs> That's true. That's true. A dog doesn't fake it. That is absolutely true. If a dog doesn't like somebody, the dog will make it known. (laughs) So true. Please tell us about the book's beautiful and cute front cover. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a Labrador retriever. It's a little too wide in its face, I think, to be a golden retriever. And it's an older dog because it has, you know, a white face, so the hair has already turned. Um, Mm -hmm. And this dog... Is, is holding a leash in his or her mouth because the dog wants to go for a walk. And I think that that is just a good indication of what it means to have a dog. It also shows the dog's eagerness to have a regular routine and do something with his person every day. Uh, and there's even a story in the book about somebody whose, neighbor, whose neighbor's dog took on that function this woman had a heart attack even though she thought she was in good shape because she wasn't overweight but she never exercised and her mm-hmm. doctor said it doesn't matter that you're slim and you eat the right foods you don't exercise so you still have a bad heart and her neighbor's dog put his leash in his mouth and just volunteered <laughs> to basically be her personal trainer and that dog showed up every single afternoon at the same time to force her to go for a walk with his leash in his mouth. So I thought about that story, which is in the book, when I picked this dog holding a leash for the cover. So anyway, yeah, I love this cover. Um, And then we have have artwork with really Mm -hmm. a nice photo inside the book. At the beginning of each chapter, we show somebody, you know, like Mm nose-to-nose with their dog, you know, showing that amazing relationship that they have. It's a beautiful book. The inside photos are wonderful. And as a whole, the color and everything, it's a very warm, engaging book. Let me put it this way. You got to pick it up kind of thing. (laughs) I hope so. I hope people will feel that way when they see it at Walmart or Kroger Mm -hmm. or um, Myers or Fred Mayer. Um, BJ's, you know, some of the other places yeah. Yeah. that are carrying it because we're very proud of it. Uh, we really worked hard on it and we think that it's a great collection of dog stories. 
Oh, it's wonderful. Really wonderful. How did you come up with the various chapters for the book? Well, I picked out the 101 stories that I wanted and the stories just, they always just kind of tell me what they want the chapters to be. And so Mm -hmm. like the first chapter is called meant to be. And it's about how sometimes a dog picks you or you go to the shelter and you're just looking and then there's some dog hiding in the back of the cage who has been aloof with every other human that has come by and then sees you and comes racing to the front and, and you just know that dog has picked you. So we have, you know, 10 different stories that are examples of how a certain dog was just meant to be for a certain human. And then chapter two is called Miracles Happen. And it's about, you know, when dogs get lost and then miraculously are found and brought home and, you know, other miracles that occur with dogs because there are so many instances of that. And then chapter three is kind of funny. It's called My Very Good, Very Bad Dog. And it's about how, you know, our dogs who are inherently good, sometimes they just can't help it and they have to do something mischievous. And it is kind of funny when they're bad. And then chapter four is called Who Rescued Whom? And this is about people who, you know, adopt a dog from a shelter because they're rescuing the dog and then they find out, no, it's really going the other way. That dog makes such a difference in their lives, you know, turning them around. Uh, maybe they were depressed and the dog gives them purpose and happiness and all of a sudden they're happy again and seeing friends or maybe their health improves because they get a dog or maybe the dog sniffs out cancer that they didn't know they had, but there's so many different ways that dogs end up rescuing their humans. And then chapter five is called what I learned from the dog because dogs are such role models and they do make you realize so many, you know, important truths. Chapter six is called best friends and it's about you know, those amazing relationships between dogs and their humans. Chapter seven is called natural therapists. And I'm not talking about dogs that are trained to be therapy dogs, although the training is pretty easy because they are natural therapists. But then there are dogs who weren't even trained to be therapists and just know what to do and really turn people's lives around. And then chapter eight is called feline friends because we find we get so many great stories about dogs and cats being great friends of each other. Chapter nine is called A Dog's Purpose. And it's about all the different ways that dogs become really useful to their humans. You know, and it wasn't expected. And all of a sudden, these dogs have something that they do that's really important. And then chapter 10 is called Over the Rainbow. And I said over the rainbow because a lot of people talk about the rainbow bridge, which is their way of dealing with the, you know, the loss of their dogs. And so that chapter is about grieving, going through the process of your dog's life ending. And it's an important thing for people to read because everybody who has a dog ends up going through that because even the most long lived dog isn't going to live more than 15 or 16 years. And some dogs die as early as nine or 10 years. So anyway, I always try to include a chapter about losing your dog just because it's a very important part of the experience and it is something that you're signing up for when you get a dog. Right, that's true, very, very true. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading Chicken Soup for the Soul, Me and My Dog? Well, I would like them to come away thinking the next time I get a dog, I'm going to either get the dog from a reputable breeder or I'm going to get the dog at a shelter. And if I get the dog at a shelter, I'm going to keep my eyes open for dogs that sometimes are left behind at shelters, like older dogs, mm-hmm. black dogs, uh, pit bull mixes. You know, these are the kinds of dogs that do tend to languish at a shelter. So, you know, we try to open people's minds to the less popular kinds of dogs as well. Right. That's true. That's wonderful. Well, let's dive into the various chapters. Chapter one, meant to be, and I love the story, Puppy Love by Janice Edwards. So Janice Edwards had a dream 
that was so vivid that it felt like it really happened. And in this dream, she and her husband were like, we're getting this little black and tan puppy. And they were getting it from a business. She didn't know what kind of business, but it was a business that was run out of a house. You know how houses are sometimes Mm -hmm. converted into commercial businesses. Now, she and her husband had been talking about getting a puppy, but it wasn't really the right time. But then her husband had said that maybe they should go to a shelter and see what kinds of puppies were available. So the day that they agreed they would go and look at puppies at a shelter, they had an errand to do first at a place called Whitewater Experience. And when they pulled up to the business, it was their first time going there, Janice couldn't believe it because the business was run out of a house and it looked exactly like the house that had been in her dream. So (laughs) she couldn't resist asking the owner of the business, whose name was Don, did he have a small black and tan puppy for sale? Because that was what happened in her dream. And just at that moment, this little black and tan Yorkshire Terrier puppy emerged from under the man's desk. And it looked just like the one that she had seen in her dream just the night before. <laughs> so she told this guy, Don, and he said, well, I had been planning to keep this puppy because its birth had been very traumatic. Um, the mother had been trying to give birth, and this puppy was so big that he got stuck. And the man had had to grab this mother who was giving birth, put her in the car, drive her 20 miles away to a vet, and have the vet help deliver her four puppies, starting with this gigantic one. And so, you know, he was planning to keep this dog, but then he did say that this dog had never approached strangers before, but he ran directly to Janice as if it was meant to be. And so this guy, Don, said, even though he'd been planning to keep the puppy, given the fact that she had dreamt about the puppy, and the puppy really seemed to like her and never liked anybody else, He would sell her the puppy after all. But the price for this purebred puppy was beyond the budget that Janice and her husband had. So the guy lowered his price, and then he said they could pay over time. And so they got the puppy. And they had that puppy for the next 15 years. And she says in her story that he's still the most, like, special dog they've ever had. It's a beautiful story. I love it in the sense that, it's sort of like a natural connection, <laughs> divinely connected, so to speak. <laughs> it's true. And there's another story in that chapter. Um, it's the first mm-hmm. chapter in the book, Meant to Be. And this one has to do with a dream also. It's by Vicki McIntyre. So she had what you just said, like a magical, special connection with a dog. So mm-hmm. she dreamt that there was a stray dog in her yard. And it was this light-haired dog, and it was running toward her. And she was stretching her arms wide open and calling the dog. And the dog's name was Lily. And in the dream, it seemed like she already knew the dog, and the dog was already part of the family. But in real life, Vicki and her husband didn't have a dog, and they hadn't even thought about getting one. So, you know, she didn't really think more about this weird dream until a week later she spotted a stray dog curled up in the corner of their yard. But she just thought it belonged to one of the neighbors, except that a few nights after that, she and her husband came home one evening and found that same dog lying on their porch. And she was a big blonde husky, like, and she was light colored, and she was like the dog that Vicky had dreamt about. And she was a female, which is what Vicky had dreamt she wagged her tail at Vicky, but then she limped down their porch stairs and went off into the darkness. Vicky did notice, though, that the dog didn't have a collar. And so she and her husband decided they needed to save this dog. Days later, the dog was back on the porch, and they had their opportunity to save her. So first they petted her, and she was fine. And then they saw that the poor thing was covered in fleas, and she had some skin infections. It was clear she hadn't been cared for by anyone in a long time. They managed to get the dog into her husband's truck, and he took the dog to the vet. 
and he paid the vet to fix whatever they could fix. And they fixed everything except a limp that the dog had, which would be permanent. And then the dog came home with them and became their dog, and Vicky's dream had come true. And that was really amazing. Two different people who dreamt about a dog, and then it came true because they ran right across that same dog. It's beautiful. It's really wonderful. And these are the things that really, I don't know, it just connects to your heart. I mean, it's like the title of the chapter says, it's meant to be. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't ignore a dog. You know, if you found a dog yeah. in your yard, you wouldn't ignore it. You would try to save it. But in this case, like she had dreamt about it a week before. It's just amazing. Totally amazing. Chapter two, Miracles Happen. And this particular story is really, really cool. Four-Legged Angel by Jennifer Kreitz. So um, Jennifer and her husband were out for a walk um, on the big island of Hawaii, and they met a beautiful golden retriever who was obviously well cared for but had no collar. He was really friendly, so they were playing with him, throwing a stick for him to retrieve and then when they resumed their walk, he followed them. And and Jennifer says, like, they felt this immediate bond with this dog. And they even talked about adopting him if they learned that he didn't belong to anyone, you know, because he didn't have a collar. Mm-hmm. Well, then as they were walking along the road with this dog, five dogs rushed out of a house. They were barking and growling, <laughs> and they were running right at Jennifer and her husband, and it looked like they were going to attack You know, they were really menacing. Mm -hmm. But then they just stopped in their tracks about 10 feet away. And the dog that was taking the walk with them scared away these five dogs. And then that golden retriever that had been walking with them disappeared. Mm -hmm. And they never saw that golden retriever again. So it was just a miracle that this mysterious dog appeared, protected them from these five, you know, growling, menacing dogs, yeah. and then disappeared right from in front of them. It's a wonderful story because it's one of those things that who would have imagined it would happen, like you say, because like, oh, my God, saved by a dog. Yeah, one they had <laughs> never seen before and never saw again. Do you have a story in the chapter that you also like? Well... Another way that miracles happen is when dogs get lost, you know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes they're only lost for a little while and sometimes they're lost for a long time. So Jenny Ivey tells us an amazing lost and found story in the book. It's about her grand dog, Nessie. Nessie is not a very brave dog. Like she's afraid of cats and squirrels and loud noises. And, of course, like most dogs, she's afraid of thunderstorms and fireworks. (laughs) So Jenny's son and daughter-in-law were always really careful to keep Nessie fenced in their backyard on the 4th of July because they knew how she would react to the sound of the fireworks. But one year, way after 4th of July, they went out to dinner, and they came home and they found that somebody had been launching bottle rackets out in the street beside their house. And Danny, Nessie, who had been in the backyard and wasn't wearing her collar, had disappeared. And they looked for her, and they put lost dog notices everywhere, and they followed every lead they received. But days passed. So, you know, when days pass and you can't find your dog, you really start worrying that the dog might be dead or badly injured and, you know, dying somewhere. And, of course, there was no collar on her. So then they thought, I wonder if a nice family adopted her, which she would be okay, but we would never see her again. Well, anyway, then more than a week after she disappeared, someone called and said that he'd been feeding this friendly female black dog for a couple of days. And yes, she had four white feet and she had a white tip on her tail. So it matched the description of Nessie. But this guy was from miles away on the other side of their county They hadn't even looked for Nessie that far away, but it was her. So they didn't know how she had gone that far without 
you know, getting hit by a car or something, especially since she had gone at night and she was a black yeah. dog, so she wouldn't have shown up. The man who found her, the only reason he knew to call them was that a friend of his who lived near them had seen their lost dog poster because he'd run out of gas and he spotted <laughs> the poster while walking to a gas station. Mm-hmm. Well, he happened to have a pen in his pocket and he just got this feeling when he saw the lost dog poster that he should scribble the phone number on his hand. And then he told his friend. And that was how they got their dog back. I mean, it was like the perfect storm of good things happening for them to get their dog back from clear across the county. And so Jenny says, you know, there's nothing short of a miracle that their dog was reunited with them. Oh, yes, that's definitely, that's beautiful. Again, it's one of those things that you can't explain. <laughs> and I love it. It was just, just luck. Amazing. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. such good luck that they got her back. Yes, no doubt about it. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hot Popper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. And here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our February Heart-Centered and Passion-Driven Inspiration for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for today is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. This morning's Kitchen Table Conversation is about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Me and My Dog, 101 Tales of Canine Companionship. Amy, Chapter 3, love this one. My very good, very bad dog. What can I say? So let's go with this story. I love this one. It Takes a Village by Myra Morin. This is such a cute story, and it combines a bunch of things I love. It combines Mm -hmm. a bad dog with Christmas (laughs) and a turkey disaster. So, like, I'm just a real sucker for for that. So (laughs) Maria tells us, that, of course, she knew not to leave her Christmas turkey anywhere near her cat because they were already nosing around in the kitchen. And, you know, she knew, mm-hmm. like, they could jump up on the counter and get the turkey. So she took her 20-pound turkey into her office. She made sure the cats hadn't followed her in there. And then she closed the office door, leaving the turkey safely inside on her desk. And an hour later, after she did some more cleaning and prepping in the kitchen, she went back into her office to retrieve the turkey. But as she placed her hand on the doorknob, she heard this loud burp come from behind the door. And then she realized what she had done. She had been so careful when she put the turkey in her office to make sure that the cats didn't follow her in. Mm -hmm. But she hadn't noticed that the dog was sleeping in the sunny spot that it loved on the floor of her office. She had left the turkey alone with the dog for an hour with the door closed. So she said it looked like, you know, one of those documentaries after the lions have, like, taken down the wildebeest and the Serengeti and, like, like eaten it and all you can see is the skeleton. The dog was sitting there licking his lips. He knew he was going to get in trouble. But he also knew it was totally worth it. So she pointed to his dog bed, and he kind of crawled over to it, you know, with his swollen belly getting in the way. There was nothing left on the turkey. It was just bones. So now she had 30 people coming for dinner, and she had no turkey. I mean, this was a disaster. Well, just then a neighbor stopped by to drop off some Christmas cookies, and Maria started telling her what had happened. It just burst into tears. And the neighbor said, I know what to do. That neighbor went through the whole neighborhood and told all the neighbors what had happened, and everybody started bringing her platters with bits of their own Christmas turkeys. She said there was so much turkey brought to her that she ended up with more turkey than she would have had originally from her 20-pound turkey. Isn't that a great story? I mean... The holiday disaster, the bad dog, the the mistake that Maria made, which was so funny, the neighbors feeling all that Christmas spirit and helping her out. I just thought it was a wonderful story. It's beautiful. I love it. I mean, 
I would love to have been the dog. I mean, Christmas came early. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure that dog got very sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Do you have a story that you like in this one? It's a beautiful chapter. I love it. My very good and very bad dog. <laughs> yeah, bad dog stories are so much fun. Oh. Well, there's another one. So another place that people have disasters is weddings, mm. right? There's holiday mm. disasters, then there's wedding disasters. So there was a story from Sue Ellen Sanders, and um, her wedding day was already pretty dramatic, like all kinds of things had gone wrong, including her veil catching on fire in the church. Oh, my God. And then, and then like, this terrible rainstorm drenching everyone just as they exited the church. <laughs> but the wedding reception was great anyway, despite her burned veil and everybody's drenched clothing. So she and her new husband got home at midnight, very excited to fly off to their honeymoon the next day. But it turned out that their dog, their dog dashed out when they opened the front door. And I guess the dog, I don't know, was upset because he had been left inside all that time, whatever. So they chased after the dog. Sue Ellen was still wearing her wedding gown and her husband was still wearing his, you know, wedding suit. And so they spent an hour running around in the rain, you know, tired, Mm -hmm. drunk, wet, (laughs) running around their neighborhood. And here's what's funny. The dog's name was Honey. So imagine what the neighbors must have thought when they saw this bride in her wedding dress running around outdoors. Now the dress with mud on it. And she's calling out, Honey, please come home. Honey, where are you? You know, as if she had a runaway husband. <laughs> love it. Love it. Those are the kind of things, I mean, it wasn't funny at that moment, but when you look back, it's hilarious. I know, I know. It really is. It's true. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> they yeah. can't make movies like that, you know? <laughs> I know, I know. It's pretty funny. Chapter four, Who Rescued Whom? This is really wonderful. The Tale of Tabby by Tammy Zillany. Yeah, so Tammy's story illustrates mm-hmm. how even the most neglected shelter dog can become a really magical family member. So Tammy Zalizny, um, she worked at a shelter, and somebody brought in this elderly, emaciated, blind, deaf, and virtually hairless Cocker Spaniel. Well, they didn't think anybody was going, to, was going to want to adopt an elderly, blind, deaf dog. So they treated her, though, and they decided they would just keep her in the administration building they didn't think she could handle being in with the general dog population. So she gained weight and her fur grew back. And even though she was deaf and blind, she managed to find her way around the building. But, you know, no one ever asked about adopting her. So they just assumed that she would live out her life with them in the administration building. But then this family visited and one of their children had noticed this dog, Tabby, on their website And they really wanted her because this little boy had disabilities, including suffering from seizures. So they wanted to adopt a disabled dog. So Tammy didn't really think it was going to be a great fit for, you know, an active family with three kids to adopt this high-maintenance dog. But the family insisted. And a week later, they reported back to the shelter the most miraculous development Their son, who had been suffering four or more seizures a day, had not had a single one since they brought that dog home with them. So somehow the existence of the dog stopped him from having these seizures. Um, And then the seizures did return eventually, but much less frequently. And the dog was able to alert the boy before he was going to have each seizure And that allowed him to prepare by, you know, getting into a safe place and a safe position. So that little elderly, blind, deaf dog had found her purpose. And she took care of that little boy for another two years 
before she finally died of old age. Wow, it's amazing. It's a wonderful story. It's something that really the whole concept in itself is just wonderful because, like you say, it rolls the switch. Exactly. That's what mm-hmm. happens all the time. Um, we think we're rescuing the dogs and they rescue yeah. us, or we yeah. think we're teaching the dogs and then they teach us. Right, right, right. That's beautiful. Really beautiful. Well, chapter five, do you have anything you like in this chapter? Well, yeah, speaking of dogs teaching us, yeah, um, we have a really good story that I think contains a lesson, whether you're a dog owner or not. It, this story is by Lauren <laughs> Mosher. And yeah. what she talks about is learning how to make the most of the present and live in the moment. You know, and living in the moment is often considered to be like a really important key to happiness. But, you know, how do you get yourself to do that? How do you get yourself to push aside your thoughts about whatever is going on, you know, and just enjoy the present? So Lauren learned how to do this from her beagle. So she adopted this beagle from a shelter. This poor dog had spent her first six years in a cage at the shelter. So this dog wanted to explore everything. So Lauren took her for their first walk together. And the dog was inspecting the grass and the dirt and the trees and even licking whatever gross stuff was stuck to the road. But these were all new discoveries for her. And Lauren had been thinking, oh, I'm going to take this efficient walk and I'm going to take the dog to this nearby river. And, you know, I'm going to show the dog the river. And meanwhile, I will text on my cell phone while we're walking so that I use my time efficiently. Then she realized as this dog was really going slowly, like maybe they would never get to the river, she realized that the dog was really enjoying everything that was right in front of her. And then Lauren all of a sudden realized that she was hearing the cicadas. And she loves the sound of cicadas. And she thought about all the simple pleasures there are that had been replaced by technology and how she could have been looking at her phone and texting instead of listening to the sounds of nature. So she put the phone away and she made a conscious decision to be present and to enjoy the walk. And she realized the journey is just as wonderful as the final destination might be, but it took that little beagle to remind her of that. I love the story. It's funny, right? When we're a child, we're in the moment. As adults, we're not in the moment. (laughs) I know, we're always trying to be efficient, right? Right. We're trying to multitask. Yeah, I know, sometimes you just have to stop and listen and look and smell and feel and -hmm. just appreciate what's around you. I mean, that's why it's like it's so healthy to be outdoors every day, you know, and to be surrounded by nature and just use your five senses to appreciate what's around you. Yeah, I mean, dogs with their constant need to walk them, we really do make people physically healthier, but also mentally healthier. Right, right. And especially right now, it's like that sort of uh, very subtle time out, <laughs> my me time kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Well, chapter six, this is a wonderful, cute story. Best Friends is the title of the chapter, and the story is Brave, Crazy, or Bow by Mary Genuine. So Mary, and I don't know how to pronounce her last name, maybe it's Gleenon or Ginon. She said that her family and friends thought that she was both brave and crazy when she announced (laughs) that she was going to hit the road and drive around the country searching for a new place to call home. She'd been living in this tiny town in South Dakota, but she wanted to find a new place to live. And so one September day, she and her dog put all their possessions in the car and hit the road, and they had six months of reservations ahead of them as they drove around the country. So Mary did this, even though she didn't really like being alone, but she knew she would have the dog with her. And so she almost didn't leave. Like, she got on the road, and then she almost turned back before she even left her town. But then all these, like, she calls them girl power anthems, started playing on the radio, like, um, I don't know, songs by Cher and Beyonce. Mm-hmm. 
And they were all very inspirational, these songs. So she kept going. And for the next 10 months, Mary and her dog drove all around the country checking out new places to live. And they finally picked Palm Springs. But she said she never could have done it without that dog being her companion. She never could have done it all by herself. And so, you know, finding that home was important. But really what Mary did on this road trip was find herself. And she right. says, you know, I had my trusty dog by my side the whole time. It was just really important to her to have that dog with her, which I can understand. Like, it would be tough to do that all by yourself. But when you yeah. have your dog with you, it's almost like having a person with you. Right. It's true. What I like about the story is that you hit it around the nose, is that gives you that silent confidence that you don't even realize you have. Yeah, you could talk to the dog. You could see things mm-hmm. together. You're caring for the dog. So you you stop just thinking about yourself because you have to take care of the dog. So <laughs> it's kind of fun. It's fun to drive around with a dog. Right, right. So true. Well, Chapter 7, the chapter title is Natural Therapist. Do you have the story that you like in this one? Yeah, I was talking before about how you could be going through depression. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a dog comes into your life and basically cures your depression. And that's what happened to Sally Rodman. She had retired, but she just didn't really know what she was going to do with her life. And she was, you know, staying in her pajamas all day and like lying in bed watching the five o'clock news, you know, <laughs> like she never really got going. She had taken early retirement and she just was bored and felt useless. And she missed her work, but she had taken early retirement because of health issues and I think she was probably clinically depressed. She was avoiding her friends. Nothing seemed interesting to her, not shopping or reading. Or She always had loved doing crafts. She didn't enjoy that anymore. She just wanted to sleep. And her husband kept saying they should get a dog because their previous dog had died a whole year ago. But she wasn't sure if she wanted to go through that heartache again, you know, signing up mm-hmm. to right. knowing that you're going to be seeing the dog die. But one day... Her husband put his foot down and he said, you're getting dressed and we're going to the shelter. And so they <laughs> came home with this cute little beagle dachshund mix. And Sally was instantly transformed. She jumped out of bed the next morning. She wanted to take care of their new dog. She started training her. They went on walks. And Molly, the dog, acted so grateful to have been rescued from the shelter. But Sally felt like she had been rescued too. And all of a sudden... She was doing the laundry again, and she was cleaning the house, and she was cooking, and she was seeing her friends again. And then she was going out for lunch with her friends, and she was doing all these regular walks, and then she was doing crafts. And her whole life turned around because she had this little dog to take care of. It's wonderful. That's a beautiful story. (laughs) Really, really wonderful. Chapter 8, Feline Friends, and I love this, Calvin's Best Friend by Susan Willett. So, yeah, this was one of the many examples we have of stories that are really fun to read about (laughs) the relationships between, you know, our dogs and our cats. Um, And I think think that a lot of households that have dogs do also have cats. So a lot of people are watching this relationship between between dogs and cats. (laughs) So Susan Willett tells us that one day – her cat, Calvin, walked into their family room and then stopped because Calvin smelled something different in the air. And what it was was their dog, Tucker, who was lying on the couch, miserable, with the cone of shame around you know, his neck. <laughs> he had just been to the vet uh, to have something treated, and you know, he was wearing that cone so he wouldn't keep licking his toenail. And so... <laughs> The cat cautiously leapt onto the couch and sniffed the edge of the cone. Now, the dog did not have a very good relationship with any of the four cats in the household. Um, He was actually scared of the cat. If one of the cats walked into a room that that the, the dog Tucker was in, he would jump down to the floor and he would crawl out of the room on his belly, which is a very submissive position <laughs> for a dog to take. Yeah. And that was because one of the cats, not Calvin, but one of the other cats, was always bullying him. 
So now this poor dog was quiet and humiliated with the cone. And Calvin the cat started grooming the dog's head inside the cone. It was really sweet. Everything changed between Calvin and Tucker from that point on. Even when the cone came off, the dog and the cat remained friends. They played together. They lay around the house together. And whenever Tucker got a cone, which happened more than he would have liked, <laughs> that cat was there to comfort him and keep him company while he, you know, endured yeah. yet another round of shameful humiliation because he was wearing a cone. <laughs> and then when Tucker got cancer, the cat took care of him too. And Calvin did find ways to connect with Susan's other two dogs after Tucker died, but it was never the same as this incredibly special relationship between Tucker and Calvin. It's a beautiful story. I grew up with cats and dogs, and they get along just fine. And it's interesting to have people share that story because it's really, really wonderful. As a kid, you don't think about the difference, I guess, for lack of a better term, between cats and dogs, right? Like, hey, they're animals and they walk around the house and that kind of thing. But it's really wonderful to see the synergy <laughs> that's happening. Yeah, I mean, lots of animals have friendships with other animals. You know, they have, mm -hmm. or they have pets. You know how, like, racehorses will have a donkey as a pet. Right, you know, right, one of right, the stories right. in our in our Me and My Dog book was about a cat who became best friends with a skunk. And so, <laughs> yeah, so to keep the skunk from coming in the house, the owner started putting the cat's food bowl outside. <laughs> and then the cat and the skunk would share the cat's food outside. And they never have a, had an incident of the skunk spraying. But still, you never know. You know, you never right. know what cross-species friendship is going to occur. Right, right. That's true. Speaking of that, Chapter 9, Adopt's Purpose, The Calico Puppy by Elizabeth Atwater. Yeah, this is a great story. Um, Elizabeth talks about what happened when her husband found an abandoned newborn kitten and brought it home to their golden retriever who had just had puppies. So the golden retriever was a little surprised when this newborn kitten tried to get some of her milk. Um, you know, and this little kitten was trying to push aside these um, part golden retriever, part husky puppies. But the mother dog and the puppies allowed the kitten to drink the milk from the mother dog. And so this kitten ended up, you know, drinking dog milk and living with these puppies, playing with them and basically growing up with them. And when things got too rough because the puppies were, you know, huge compared to this little kitten, mm -hmm. the mother dog would run over to inspect the kitten to make sure that she was okay. And so eventually the puppies, you know, all went out to new homes, but they kept that kitten and she remained glued to the mother dog's side. And in fact, they started calling the kitten Rover as if she were a dog and they, <laughs> They never found her a new home. She stayed with that mother and dog um, forever. And basically, this, this kitten, who is now a cat, um, just thinks that she's a dog. It's a beautiful story. I mean, I love that story. And it's almost like, I guess, human situation when you talk about adoption. <laughs> Bringing a new person in the family. Of course, this two different animals. But love is love. Yes. I mean, that golden retriever had a pet, and her pet was that little kitten. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, chapter 10, let's close out with something that you like in this chapter. So, you know, I talked about this over the rainbow chapter and, um, mm -hmm. you know, all these stories about grieving for a dog, making the decision that it's time for the dog's life to end. Um, sometimes people have dreams after their dogs have died that seem so real where their dogs impart lessons to them. Um, people feel like their dogs are coming back to them or that there's an ongoing bond, just like they often report with people. And so that's what Susan Wilking Horan reports in her story, which is called Kisses from Lady. So in her case, she was visited in her dreams by her dog, Lady, who had been a yellow Labrador 
retriever. So starting at the beginning of the story, um, Susan had three different cancers over the course of 20 years. She had colon cancer, which took years to recover from. Um, then she got, you know, other cancers. Her dog, Lady, never left her side during all these cancers that she had. But then Susan noticed that as she was growing stronger, Lady was growing weaker. And as Susan ate more, Lady ate less. As Susan walked faster, Lady walked slower. The dog had cancer too. So they gave her cancer surgery, but she died on the operating table. And so Susan was crying herself to sleep one night, and then she had this dream. And in the dream, someone was holding this little cloth bundle in his hand, and he showed it to Susan in her dream. And she could tell it was a baby animal of some kind, but not a dog or a cat. But she felt much better after holding this baby animal. And then she had another dream the next night. And in this next dream, her dog Lady came back to her in a dream. And she was healthy and full of vitality. And Susan felt like Lady was telling her that Susan would be okay, you know, going through her cancers. Mm -hmm. So Susan says that she's an academic. She's an attorney. She believes in evidence, hard facts, things <laughs> that she can see and touch. Yeah. But she says that something happened to her in that dream that she just can't deny. And she says, you know, these dreams healed her heart and healed her soul. She really does feel like her dog lady came back to her to tell her that she was going to be okay and that she would always be with Susan. And so that was one of the wonderful stories we included in that last chapter. It's simply inspiring and empowering as well. And that's the kind of connection and stories that is not out there all the time. And it needs to be told in the book. So that's really, really beautiful. What call-out stories are Chicken Soup working on for the future? Well, right now we're collecting for our next book about dogs, which will come mm -hmm. out in 2025. Mm -hmm. We're also collecting for our next book about cats. We're collecting for our 2025 Christmas book. We're collecting for our next um, our next set of humor stories. Mm -hmm. Collecting for stories about miracles, angels, um, messages from heaven. That the deadline for that actually is today, February 28th. Um, <laughs> so if you're listening after February 28th, we're posting additional topics. We're also collecting for a book about positive thinking and how you can use it to change your life. So that's what we're working on. And, um, oh, we have something really cool mm -hmm. um, that just came out that I wanted to tell you about. Yeah. Um, speaking, of, speaking of cats, um, we just put out a coloring book for adults, although um, my six-year-old granddaughter loves it, so it really works for children <laughs> also. It's, um, it's a coloring book that's derived from one of our cat books called The Magic of Cats. And what we did mm -hmm. in this coloring book, this is really different from other coloring books. Most coloring books just have an image to color on the right side. And then on the left side, there's usually not much of anything. What mm -hmm. we did was on the left side, we put a chicken soup for the soul story, a complete chicken soup for the soul story. Oh, and then the wow. picture on the right side that you color has something to do with that story on the left. And so mm -hmm. it's a very rich experience because you get to read the stories and do the coloring. It's a super high-quality coloring book, you know, high-quality paper. Yeah, yeah. The, the pages are perforated, so you can take them out and hang them up, put them in a frame. So that's just out. It's available at Walmart, Barnes & Noble, other major store chains. Of course, it's available on Amazon. Um, so we're excited about that, our first cat coloring book. And then uh, next month we have a book coming out uh, uh, called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Mothers and Daughters, which we put out um, Love you know, it. if people are looking for a gift for Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. That's really awesome. Well, what wonderful recipe for living would you like to share with our listeners this morning? Um, I think that, you know, there's some, there's some real ingredients for a better life that you can find in this dog book. So one of them would mm -hmm. be 
to use the power of forgiveness and just get over it and move yeah. on, which is a very dog-like thing to do. Another we talked about, which is living in the present and actually opening your eyes and using your five senses and enjoying <laughs> what's right around you, especially out in nature. Um, and then I think having a sense of adventure, which is another thing you really see great examples of, you know, try new things, always be like open and willing to do mm-hmm. something new and different or you know, just get up there and get out and be energetic. So these are all things we learn from our dogs, which are definitely the ingredients that would go into a recipe for a happier life. Yes, that's true. Very, very true. Well, Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Wednesday morning, March 6th at 10 a.m. Central Time U.S. My guests will be Yvonne Sendemir. Yvonne is a powerful advocate born and raised in the Deep South who has overcome multiple traumas. Her healing journey beginning in July 2015 has fueled her dedication to spreading awareness, education, and prevention of child sexual abuse. As a former guardian at Lytham, she brings a unique perspective to the conversation. Yvonne and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her latest book, What, Who, Why, Where, How, When, Plan, A Parent's Guide to Preventing Child Sexual Abuse. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed day. Thank you so much, Johnny. Thank you. Bye-bye.